Hey, this is Dave Burgess, and you are listening to The Dave Burgess Show, where we talk education, lifestyle, entrepreneurship, fitness, wellness, principles of success, interview elite performers in their field, and most importantly, cover topics that will empower, inspire, and uplift you. Let's go. Welcome to episode 34 of The Dave Burgess Show, and I have the pleasure to not just have on an amazing educator, but also a good friend of mine. And that is Lavana Roth. Lavana is the author of eight books. She is a former teacher. She is an international keynote speaker, consultant. She's a business owner. She's the creator of the Ignite Your Shine framework. She runs Prime to Shine, which we'll be sure to talk about as we chat today and lives in, I'm jealous because she lives in very sunny Tampa, Florida. Lavana, thanks for joining me on the show. Dave, thank you, because I appreciate any time I get to be with you because you are so real, you're caring, and you've been there whenever I've needed it. So thank you. Yeah, so we kind of go way back. Um, We've been cross paths many times on the speaking circuit, of course, and I've had a chance to chat many times. And just even just recently, I was going through Tampa, Florida, and we got a chance to hang out and go down to the Riverwalk by where you live there, which is just a beautiful area. Sure did. And as a matter of fact, we passed each other an extra bonus time where you were out running. I was out walking and I was like, wait a minute, that's Dave. That's awesome moment. Yeah. And so you said that I was out running and you were out walking. We actually have another time where we connected in Texas, where it was the opposite of that, where you were running and I was walking, but we were side by side. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And if anyone knows how tall you are, Dave, I had to run to maintain your walk because <laughs> your stride <laughs> was long enough. So this, this was in my pre-running days. And so now, uh, so, but the, the visual image of that, I wish I had that on video of me walking with these big giant strides and you running alongside of me. I think I was in Texas. I think that's where we were. Yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. So, uh, Lavana, um, one of the questions I want to ask you is, uh, so we got a chance to be in Nashville together at AMLE at the Gaylord and spend several days at this conference and um, be around so many educators and to do sessions. And we even uh, would meet at the elevators and go work out at the gym and keep keep each other accountable and all that. And uh so I was kind of I'm kind of wondering how you feel about seeing conferences back and being back in person again after so long there where we had a stretch where we couldn't do that. Yes, first of all, again, that it was a favorite moment of mine throughout the years is having that time to be together and even just taking the time. That's one of the things, again, Dave, that you've supported and really shown me is that making sure the self-care fits in. And and we did that. And then, like you said, there was a time where we didn't go anywhere. We weren't seeing people. And I know recently I was at the ASCD annual conference and just being back and feeling the energy and seeing people and people I haven't seen in probably three, four years pre-pandemic that it was like, oh my goodness, you're still here. And yes, great to see you. And we just had those moments of, of hugs. And I went and watched a lot of them doing their own sessions. And it was just so much fun. Again, it's something about the energy and connecting. And anyone who knows me knows I'm a hugger. So having a chance to get hugs again was just phenomenal. Yeah. And it's something that I for sure maybe feel like I was taking for granted by the time of 2020 and 
traveling so much and doing so many workshops. And then when that all got stripped away, I'm never taking it for granted again. Like it's been so wonderful to um, just be amongst people again and to, yes. to see, to get that. It's just different when it's in person, right? When you have that energy. And so, um, but I think that's a good lesson that we learned is that there's so much in our life that um, we have to be thankful for that sometimes we kind of brush past that without really having that real true sense of gratitude for it. Right. And it's one of those that we don't necessarily mean to do that, but just like you said, when something gets to be routine or something becomes common, you do tend to take it for granted. I remember at one point saying during the pandemic that I could not wait to be back in person that I would never take another hug for granted. You know, every hug was going to be special. And so reminding myself of that moment and all the other moments, like even in time with my daughter, we would six o'clock every night because there's nothing else to do. We would cook dinner together. You know, so I, I just, I see it's, it's going through life. And sometimes when we get too rushed or too overwhelmed or too routine, we do take things for granted. And I think it's important that point that you're making, Dave, is to make sure that we remind ourselves of how special those moments really are. Yeah. Yeah. Levana, I've, when I first came in contact with you, um, I saw you speak and I saw, and kind of, you were at this time, you were the the brain powered person, right? And you were really into the neuroscience of student engagement and uh, engagement strategies and how the brain responds to this stuff. And at some point you've kind of made a, a shift, a transition. And now what you are most well known for is ignite your shine. I was wondering if you could kind of Tell me about how that transition happened or what what took you from the brain powered person to ignite your shine and like how did that transition happen for you? Yeah, totally unexpected, I think, which happens a lot in life. You know, first of all, I never expected to be a consultant or a speaker. I mean, no, no, way too shy, way too introverted. That was not going to happen. And then here we are. And I have a passion for brain science, neuroscience, cognitive psychology, even human behavioral psychology. And that came from attending some trainings and some workshops where neuroscientists, neuropsychologists were putting them on. And I lit up, like I just, this passion in me came to life and I thought, wow, this is incredible, but wait a minute, how come we as educators don't know this? We teach the brain every day, yet we don't learn this. And thankfully, since then there have been shifts and you know, like whether it's a degree that you're getting, they have trainings for classes for it, or whether a district puts some things on. So there's been some shifts, but there's also still a ton of misinformation that's out there. We have created the whole brain powered strategies. That's what my books are on lessons, exactly how you can implement and have fun in the classroom, engage students with any grade level, any content with these strategies while still teaching to how the brain learns. However, was not seeing the level of success and achievement that we should have seen. And I knew there was a disconnect somewhere and I couldn't figure out what it was until I realized, wait a minute, if we won't, don't put the brain into a state of learning, then how is, how is it ready to learn? It's not. You know, when, when you have your amygdala on high alert, which is always aware for survival, but if it's on high alert because it feels threatened in any way, and it could be something super simple to one of us, but not to another person, or it could be a big deal, traumatic thing. If that is happening, the brain is not going to learn because it's in survival mode. So I realized that we needed to back up and shift the brain into that state of learning, which I took that. I took the neuroscience, always the foundation of what we do still to this day. I took my own experiences, my daughter's experiences, and even students of mine 
who really had a hard time and they were bringing so much to the table. I was bringing such past experiences to the table that it was affecting, you know, it affects all that we do and what we learn. So shine was born originally in the word smart. I was going after how we minimize people, how our students hear all day long, what they're not good at doing. We don't develop and build up confidence, which allows us to take risks. Like there's so much that comes into this. So backed up smart was not resonating the way I wanted it to resonate. So I thought of the word shine. It's like, how does somebody shine? And then that became the acronym that it is today. So when we work with schools, we come in three different ways at this point. So either we come in looking at micro skills. So how do you truly get down into the micro skill of where the teeny tiny gap is that students are having instead of going after the entire skill? And that is, again, through a brain lens perspective. But then we also can come in looking at brain power strategies. How do you teach toward the brain? How does it learn? And keeping those strategies alive and embedding them. But then we also can back up and work on your culture and create a human focused culture so that all want to be there, whether it's to learn, whether it's to thrive, whether it's to achieve, whatever the goal is. Yeah. So I love that. I can remember, I believe in Texas meeting with you and um, this was right at the very beginnings of the Ignite Your Shine, like you were still trying to kind of come up with some branding around that. And we were brainstorming different ideas. I remember one of the thoughts that we were thinking about was bright, the word bright and how bright means it kind of has two different layers to it, right? People say like, oh, they're very bright as if kind of like a synonym for smart, but then there's also this other meaning of bright. And um, then that didn't turn out to be the direction. Then you went off and created this wonderful brand, Ignite Your Shine, which is fantastic. And so that's uh, amazing. Now, you mentioned one of the things I think you do really well is I, I kind of look at it like maybe like a plant, whereas rather than focusing just on the plant, you focus on the soil that the plant is growing in, right? And so you could have all these great strategies in your classroom. But if that culture that the kids are in is not conducive to learning, that's that's where the focus needs to go, right? It's like it's like creating soil, which is conducive to growth, is kind of like a really kind of it seems like a big part of what Ignite Your Shine is about. Oh, Dave, I love that. I might have to steal that. <laughs> Cause yes, you know, most plants can thrive and survive for a while, but if you don't have the right soil or the right nutrients, the right watering, then either they drown or they grow slower or they eventually die. There's so much that goes into that. And that's, I, it's funny to ever think of us as like a plant, but it, that's really what we're doing is we're growing. And if that culture isn't there again, putting the brain into a state of learning, if we don't do that, the brain isn't learning. We can teach all day long, but it doesn't matter if we have not allowed students, allowed teachers to pull back and work on who they are with their confidence and belief in what they can do and creating that safe environment to do so. Otherwise, I feel like the best way to say is we're beating our heads against the wall, trying to achieve something that we cannot achieve because the environment that we have created or that we have there is not allowing it. Well, you know, maybe you're subliminally sending me these messages about plants because your background, which people can't see right now, is filled, is filled with plants. And actually, when I just saw you in Tampa, where did we end up? We ended up in a plant store. We sure did. Dave, it might be said I have an obsession at this point. <laughs> so. I, I, I think I actually took some pictures of the different plants that you had because I was like, she's got a lot of plants in this place. Let me tell you. <laughs> 
I do. I have my indoor garden tower now, and I've got a whole wall of plants that are growing in these little, like, almost they look like test tubes. <laughs> so yes, it's it's pretty much an obsession at this point that started thanks to the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So what I really like about one of the things you said, Lavana, is I, I think that there's this, this disconnect that some people have that they think, so this neuroscience and the brain-powered strategies and all that, they think that maybe stuff like culture and this human focused environment that we're talking about, all these things maybe are um, soft skills and fluffy and are not backed by research. But one of the things that I think that you do so well is that no, 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 no. All that stuff is backed by research too. Absolutely. Yes. So you, you pour that, you pour that in and make sure people know that we're not just making this stuff up. Like this stuff is scientifically backed by neuroscience. Absolutely. It's one that I have had people in the past. I've had colleagues say to me, uh, and even just in media, we see it in social media, we see the news, at least at one point that, oh, that's fluff. Or as you said, the common phrase is soft skills. We don't call them soft skills. We call them necessary skills. Right, because if you look at yes, the research for sure, but we think about what is it that actually gets us to survive in life, and I don't mean like food and shelter and water. What I mean is for us to be productive, for us to thrive, for us to do well in a job, for us to be a successful relative with whatever that looks like for that person. That comes back to the skill set that we have. Like I think about relationships. You know, I've had in the past where a friend and I did not agree, and we came at it from two totally different perspectives. If I didn't have the quote unquote soft skills, again, necessary skills, and they didn't either, or even at least one of us having that, that relationship likely would not be here today. And I feel the same way in a work environment, same thing when when students come to school. So whether you're in a leadership position, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, all of those quote unquote fluff skills are what help us to elevate and to thrive together. And so it gets under my skin and it always has when I hear those phrases and they're common. But thankfully, there has been, again, a shift where people are beginning to understand that, wait a minute, these are actual things that we take through life. So me being a problem solver, me being compassionate, me being empathetic, me being a what if or like, I want, what if we do it this way or what if we do it that way? All of those skills are those strengths is what we refer to them as actually play a part in the success of who we are and what we do. Yeah. And now SHINE is an acronym and I maybe am abnormally fond of acronyms because I've gone, I've gone a long way with an acronym, right? Um, yes. And so tell us what does SHINE stand for? So the S in SHINE stands for self. And what we're really looking at is everything about you, particularly your strengths, gifts, skills, and talents. So we focus on strengths over deficits because Gallup research says that a strength will remain a strength but a weakness will never become the level of a strength. So if we focus on strengths and we teach through that lens, we lead through that lens, that's a different viewpoint. There's also a lot of other things that fall under that, including self-care. So anything that has to do with self is that it's the biggest component of shine. It's also the first. So self, H is heart. In other words, passion. I just didn't use P because that would be spine instead of shine. So <laughs> we're going to go with heart, right? It's about what, you're, what is in your heart. You know, like one of our core values, it's our number one core value is heart for humanity. And so having a passion for that. 
And so when we think about heart and passion, what lights you up, what gives you energy, what sets you on fire, like Dave, I've seen you speak many times and you are on fire when you are talking. It's clear you're passionate about what you do and you have a belief in that. So we want to foster what is the S and the H and we would put that together because if you have yourself and you've learned about you and you understand where you are, you're building up the confidence, which is what we're huge on doing. Confidence affects everything. We don't ever hear that, but confidence affects everything we do. And so if we have that merit, but we're missing passion, then we end up burning out. We become bored. But if we have heart, but we're missing the self part, whether it's belief in self, the strengths, then now it's more like a hobby. So it's the two together that we call the shine spot. When you get to I and shine, it is inspire. How do you inspire others? How do you inspire yourself? Because we know life throws those curveballs. Boy, do they ever. And is navigate. What are you going to do with everything I just talked about? It's you putting it into action. What does it mean to you? What's your story? What's your journey? What do you want this to look like? Because it's ultimately up to you. It's sometimes we don't like to hear it, but it's your choice. And then E is exceptional because by doing everything I just talked about, you are becoming the exceptional person you were meant to be, not anybody else, who you were meant to be. And that's shine. I love it. And now when you come in or you have people come in that work with you, and a lot of times maybe you'll do a keynote and you have some workshop things that people can get involved in. And I was wondering, I I was looking on your website and I saw something that said that one of the things that happens is part of the pro it's not just a one-off thing that people are getting when they work with you, but you have a whole team and you have multiple things that they can tap into and resources and all of this stuff. And one of the ones I noticed on there is it mentioned huddles. Um, what, what are huddles? <laughs> Great question, Dave. <laughs> so I love that you bring this up. We are all about creating experiences. You know, I know again, for you, Dave, you create an experience when people come with you are unlike any other. And so we are all about the experiences. So there's the level of a keynote, which by the way, we call it fun note. And so, because we're about adding the fun in same thing for a workshop, we call them fun shops because it is about adding the fun and sprinkling that in. But when we go through those, let's say we kick off with a fun note and then we do, let's say an overall staff, here's, here's the language philosophy, the core of what it is that you're doing. Now that's the fun shop. And now we're going to lead you into huddles. So huddles work nicely, particularly when districts right now have very little PD time. So it could be during their PLC time. So PLC time, it could be during a planning period. It could be before school, after school, but it's smaller groups of teachers. And at this point, instead of us being the deliverer of the knowledge, and yes, even though everything's interactive, experience, automatic takeaways with everything that we do, a huddle is now where we use the collective wisdom of the teachers or the leaders that are in that group. In some cases, it could be students too. But we now take what has been shared and how do you put it into action in your school? And it, everything is to be teacher-led, teacher-driven, teacher-created, or leader-driven, leader-created, et cetera. So now in those huddles, that's where the deep work, the application comes because the bottom line is after we have worked with a school or school district over time, we want to be able to walk away and then you have the sustainability for it. You know, I, I appreciate you saying like, I, yes, we can do fun notes. We do them all the time. And I love them, but there's nothing more rewarding than when teachers are saying, we, I've never looked at teaching in this way. Or they've said, I've never come through this lens or boy, did I need this? You have no idea how bad I needed this. 
And when I look at the low morale, I look at the retaining teachers right now, retaining leaders right now. I look at, you know, the achievement scores that are still to be held accountable, yet everyone has gone through a traumatic time called a pandemic. It's really rocky right now. And to be honest with you, I'm a little scared because of the number of people leaving and it doesn't have to be that way. So that is our goal from taking it from a fun note to a fun shop to a huddle is to help create that sustainability and create that culture so that everyone can run with it. Yeah, I love that that sense that um, you don't want this to go away when you walk out the door and get on a plane and leave. But this is something that the the school culture and the the they can own it and they can make it part of they can internalize it and make it part of what they do now. And that they are now in charge of maintaining that culture. And it has that, it's kind of like you're you allowing them the ability to replicate what it is that they saw when you were there in person with them and to tap into those strengths, which is kind of like about uh, Ignite Your Shine is about with kids too, is tapping into the strengths that they have and letting them know. And, and most school systems are like that. There's just such incredibly brilliant people who have incredible strengths and the ability to do amazing things. And sometimes they just have to be shown that that's the case, that all the answers, all the things that they need are really in the building with them and with the staff and what you do so well is to come in and show them like, you've got, like you people are amazing. If you can create this culture in your system, this mindset. Exactly. I I, I love that. And that's one of the things we talk about and our goal is a transfer of ownership, you know, so yeah. it, it's everyone in the school, they have the ability, they have the oftentimes the knowledge, but just there's like tweaks that need to be made or additional input that creates an entirely different shift with it. And so I just finding an, a moment to uplift educators, uplift students and to create solidarity. And like you said, ownership again, that, that would just resonate so much with me because that is the goal of this. Yeah. And it's like this sense that um, for the staff that they have everything, <laughs> but they don't, they just haven't uh, on, on your website. I think, let me see if you have it. So th- th- you had this question. It says, what if the only thing holding your school back is the mindset of people in the building? So, but it's not coming at it from a deficit model of what's lacking or that something needs to be fixed. It's more tapping into things that maybe have, they're, they're there, but we just aren't using them yet. Yes. I, I think about just all the things that happen in somebody's life and what they bring to the table. We have a saying that every behavior has a story. And so when people are holding back in a building, it's because they have a story if they are afraid to step forward, it's because they have a story, which everything we also work with schools and districts on psychological safety and creating a psychological safety within a, within a school building, within a team, within a leadership team. And when we hold back because we lack the psychological safety, that affects everything that we do, which again, goes back to the culture. One of the biggest shifts that Again, people know this, but sometimes it's putting into practice because our education system is not designed to look at strengths. It's designed to look at, you need to work on this. You need to improve that. Go back and practice this. This isn't quite right yet. How could you make this better? When do we embrace what is actually being done well? And that is the celebration of what is being done well and also pointing it out. 
like more recently I've been sharing with schools and I'm, I, I really would love to see this shift is that when, for example, we put up, let's say, let's just go simple. Let's say a complete sentence. At what point are we saying to students, what is right about the sentence? Instead, we would say, what is wrong with the sentence? So we constantly direct the attention to what is wrong. Whereas if we say, it, look, it started with a capital letter. Yes, it started with a capital letter. That's awesome. We just reinforced in the brain, start with a capital letter. Every time we talk about what is right with a sentence, if it starts with a capital letter that is being pointed out. And so after we have gone through everything, there's a punctuation. It's not the right one, but they did put a punctuation. Yes, they remember to punctuate. So we just have a little bit more to tweak. But then you can say, what is not right about this? And it's the same thing with a math problem. You know, students are going through math problem. What do you see they've done right in this math problem? Because again, that's what we want to reinforce, which leads to how we do our huddles, especially as our goal is to shift to the strengths and what is happening that's done right. What do you actually want? Because that should be the focus. I see it so much with leadership teams is that we got this big problem. We got to solve this problem. How are we going to solve it? Oh my goodness. Well, I guess we could try this and this and this. What about stepping back and saying, what do we want it to look like and how do we get there? And that's one of the things that we lead very specifically through is how do you go from A to B, but not from a deficit lens, but from a strengths lens. Yeah. And so the brain is very obedient <laughs> and it does what we direct it to do. And I know this is something that you you talk about as well. And so if you, if you're the kind of questions you're asking are uh, that deficit minded thing, or what's wrong with this situation, or how, how come I can't do this any better? your brain will find answers for you. If you ask your brain to find what's wrong, it will absolutely find things that are wrong. If you ask your brain, why can't I do this? It'll tell you lots of reasons you can't do this. But if you ask your brain uh, those more positive questions, then you're, you know, it's like Google, what you put into the search bar matters. And what we put into our brain, the questions we ask our brain matter too. And I think that's, that's some of the power that you, your background in neuroscience and in those brain power strategies has really kind of informed your work even now with the work that you do now. Absolutely. Dave, one of the things that we say is what you tell your brain, your brain believes. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly. What you tell your brain, your brain believes you are only reinforcing it through your body. And so if you're saying that I'm overwhelmed, it's not that it's not true, but you are reinforcing and you just send cortisol throughout your entire body, which means you feel more tired. You feel more overwhelmed. Your brain is saying, yes, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't get past this. I'm overwhelmed. What else am I supposed to do? My goodness, it's overwhelming. And you just reinforce it all instead of shifting that. Good point. Yeah. Now, so we share another part of our journey, Levana, and, and that's, so we both were teachers and then we both um, wrote and, and started speaking and traveling and going on that whole circuit and then both of us have had a kind of a further transformation that I wanted to talk to you about. And for me, it was becoming a publisher and publishing and kind of amplifying the voices of other educators and getting in and working with them on crafting their messages and starting to speak and all that. And that's a transition that you have made as well. As you continue to do the Ignite Your Shine work with schools, districts, conferences, and all that, now you have taken... Uh, you have so much experience out there as a consultant, so much experience as a speaker, so much experience as a business owner. And there are lots of educators out there who are looking to do the same thing or considering doing the same thing. And now you've kind of transitioned to really being someone who is helping other people 
get their brands together and to get their speaking together and to craft their messages and to become more powerful in the space and being able to amplify their messages. And that that's a wonderful shift that I've seen you take. And uh, you have created a program called Prime to Shine. Maybe if you could kind of first let us know why it is that you took that that shift and what what is Prime to Shine? Well, you know, anytime we set out on a new adventure, it is go back to the word overwhelming. It is questionable. You stumble. You wonder if this is the right decision. I don't know how to do this. It's all brand new. And then there are people like you, Dave, who have willingly and very thoughtfully helped me and shared with me, well, this is my part of the journey. This is what I've done. Uh, as of the end of April, I will have been doing this for 15 years, which blows my mind. And along the way, I've had a lot of people, educators, leaders, board of education members, you name it, coming up and saying, how do I do what you do? And I reflect back, but to me, it was a massive beast. Like, where do you begin? Because not only are you an educator who has to figure out the content, what do you want to offer? How do you want to offer it to the business side of what is your branding going to be? What specifically, how will you do it? What will your pricing be? to the level of taxes and understanding what happens with taxes and how maybe you want to consider doing your banking. And so all of that, I just thought there's no way I could begin to tackle this to share with others. But people, again, kept saying things. And right before 2020, I just thought, you know what, what if I just put together a course that kind of takes you from A to Z with the nuts and bolts overall, and at least gives you the framework of reference. So that's how Prime to Shine actually came to be was we're priming to shine, you know, so prime to shine. And we use the shine framework for everything that we do. And so the course takes you through your strengths and your passions all the way then to how do you be exceptional as the educational consultant you are, but also from a, not just the educator viewpoint, but also from a business perspective. And when that was finished, I had, I guess we had, I think 55 people at the time, or maybe it was about 40 that said, okay, now what? And I was like, what do you mean now what? <laughs> they wanted more. Like, okay, we've got the idea. We got the gist. This is where we are. And we know we have things to keep working on and tighten up. But how do we How do we go deeper? How do we like take the next step after this? And so that ended up leading to where now it's a membership model. It is where I do a monthly coaching call every month publicly. So anyone can join that. The Those that are members get a recording. They have access to all recordings we've ever done. Dave, you have been a guest for us. You have shared your vast wealth of knowledge around this and you just poured it out to us. And that's what all of the guests that we've had on have done. And so there's recordings of those. And you've got a Facebook group that's private where you can go in and everyone understands confidentiality. And it is not a con- like a competition in there. As a matter of fact, if somebody's going to be competitive, this is not the group for you, right? We are about making an impact. Yes, making money. Because if you don't make money, you don't have a business. If you don't have a business, you can't make an impact. So it, but our focus is on impact and not competing, but complementing each other. And so we get feedback on what about this flyer? How's this wording? Has anyone been successful with this? And they create their own moments too. Like we're getting ready to do a deep dive. And this was, they asked me to do this, but they can do this themselves because it's community driven, but I'm going to take two areas that members have said, we really want this. And we're going to go deep into it. Like with my experience and expertise and my input doesn't mean you have to do it that way, but this is my experience with what I can share to at least enlighten you and give you some ideas. 
So it's been very cool to watch how it evolved. Again, like much in my life, I never planned on it. <laughs> so, Dave, I didn't even plan on being a teacher. <laughs> so, but here we are, and I'm loving it. And we have an incredible, incredible group. Yeah. And so I think a really significant part of that is you you had a coach. Like you've had people that have helped you. You asked for help. You've had yeah. some people that have helped you along that journey. And f- some people feel that maybe, well, like it's uh, a weakness to ask for assistance or to get a part of, to um, have a coach, but everybody has a coach. Like I had all kinds of help getting started with m- my business and learning everything that I need to do and all the different books that I read and all this kind of stuff like this. And so now maybe I can help that next person coming along. I've been there. I've been over those obstacles. I've faced those roadblocks that that person is facing. And maybe I might know some things that might be able to help them get to the next step, right? And that's something that now you're doing for other people they can tap into. And then the other piece of that that I love is the community aspect of it, right? And so there's something about being around other people who are headed in the same direction that you are and are looking to do the same things. That's just that it's so inspiring and uplifting to kind of help each other along the way. And so creating that community aspect of it is a, is a big part of what I think what, why what you're doing is so successful. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we, we all have coaches and we should have a coach. You know, they save us time. They save us money. They can pave the way. I think always reflect back because it blew my mind when I heard this, but at one point, Tiger Woods, greatest golfer in the world at the time, had seven coaches, seven, and he's the best, but he understands that there are people who have insight that can help, again, fast track him, make him be even better than trying to figure it out on his, on his own. And of course he could, of course, anyone can figure it out. But the question is, like, do you want to spend the time and money and make those mistakes? Or would you rather have someone who's going to support you that has been there, done that, and is still doing it to lead you along the way? Yeah, and it's amazing what what will stop people from getting involved in this. It, sometimes it's the very smallest things and uh, or the most mundane stuff. Like, hey, I don't understand. Like you mentioned the taxes. Sometimes that, that'll hold someone back. Like, I don't understand what this is going to do to my taxes, so I'm not going to do this. Or I don't know whether to set up an LLC or an S-corp or uh, a sole proprietorship. Like, I don't understand all these terms. And I'm just like, a, I'm, a, I'm a classroom teacher. I don't want to research all that. And so they just give it up. It's like, oh, no, there's people that have navigated this these waters before. <laughs> there are people who have done all this stuff. There's people that can tell you and help you exactly with what you need to do with your taxes, how to make sure you're not commingling your finances and all these different things. And so why try to reinvent the wheel? Why try to figure all this stuff out on your own when there's a way that you can get this all handed to you on a silver platter, right? That like, And so, I mean, that's just... It just always surprises me what it is that'll hold someone back. Whether it's like I I can't figure out what to put on my business card. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's what's holding you back right now is your business card. That's the least important things a lot of times, yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. But I see that people get caught up in shiny objects. Like, well, I can't do anything until the website is ready. The website's not perfect yet. You don't even have to do have a website. Like, get it later, of course. But for to start out, that is like the least important part. So yes, the shiny objects of where you begin. And you know, Dave, I, I am always fascinated by human behavior. It's one of the things I find the most intriguing, the most interesting, and it comes down to fear. You know, that's why I think so many people get complacent and afraid to step out and try something new or to change. My friends, I am that person. 
I have a fear of things. I am scared to death at times. I don't know so much. But yet you, when you take that risk and you put that foot or maybe even that toe out, you will feel some success. And you're like, wait, I did it. That's how confidence begins to build. And yes, there's going to be times where you mess up, you screw up and you're like, okay, that didn't go well, or I shouldn't have done it that way. But that's life. And that's how your confidence grows. It's how your circle of comfort and becoming okay with change will also grow. And so I'm going to bring up two things, Dave, that I often hear from people is, well, I would like to do A, whatever it is, but it's already being done. There are already five people out there doing it. Yes, they may be doing the topic, but they don't do it the way you do it. They don't say it the way you say it. They haven't packaged it the way that you've packaged it. They haven't found certain nuances that actually make it work in a different way. That would be like us saying that one clothing store did it all. No, there's different styles. There's different things that you want to go or like locations where you want to buy, like what's available, what's not available. And so that's already being done. Like get that out of your head. And the second one I hear goes back to fear, but it's imposter syndrome. You know, I hear this all the time. It's probably the number one thing I hear. Yes, but who am I to, who are you to not? Right. Right. You're not saying, look at me. I am the best. I am the only way to do this. You have no idea what you're doing. That is not what you're saying at all. What you're saying is I have found some things that work, whether it's a strategy, a framework or whatever it is. And you're willing to try it because you know the value that you're adding to somebody else to give them a shot to have their life be better. Yeah. And Lavana, I heard you talk once about the kind of some of the mathematics behind the marketplace. And I think this is something that people misunderstand as well is they think, okay, well, there's all these people out there as consultants, like, how am I ever going to find enough of a market share for what I do? And uh, I'm going to tell you a couple stories about this that just still surprise me and surprise anyone when I tell them. So I have been doing Teach Like a Pirate workshops for probably 17 years or something like that. My book came out oh, maybe t- uh, almost 11 years ago. And I was doing workshops for probably f- at least five or six years before that, right? And um, I'm pretty well known in the space. <laughs> like, you know, like I, if I go to a conference, people know who I am. And, but when I go somewhere new and I get in front of an audience, one of the first things I say is I say, How many of you here, for how many of you here is this? Are you hearing Teach Like a Pirate for the first time? Is this your first exposure to Teach Like a Pirate? Everywhere I go, about 80 to 90% of the hands go up in the air when I say that. It is incredible. Like I'll be in front of a thousand people, 800 hands go up and say, this is the first time they've heard of Teach Like a Pirate. I've been doing this thing for 15 years. I'm pretty good at branding and marketing. (laughs) It is an unbelievably untapped market out there. There are so many schools. There are so many districts. There are so many conferences. And because... Uh, we sometimes get caught up in the social media space. Like we think that everyone is on social media. So everyone has probably seen Ignite Your Shine or Teach Like a Pirate. The truth is the vast majority of people are not in social media spaces. And so they're not a part of that group that we consider kind of like our people. And it is, there's absolutely a marketplace still. If, if I can still go around and do Teach Like a Pirate workshops, whatever it is that you are listening, that you're thinking about doing, it is untapped. Yes, yes, and yes. Like 
I love what you just brought up because this is a conversation I've had with a friend of mine multiple times is that somebody like sometimes it's viewed that when somebody is well-known on social media in a particular space for something that, oh my goodness, everybody knows who they are. They have made it. They are huge. Yet there are so many, and you just did that example with the percentages that have no clue to who that person is because they're not on social media or they are on social media, but have not connected with that person yet. And I think that's such a valuable thing. Like, I think social media can give us the facade that look at me and it can be, I, I can think it can feed into the ego is the best way I'd say that. And whether it's comparison that somebody is doing and such, which I, I, I could care less. I honestly could care less the number of followers I have. I could care less about the number of likes I have. And that can be different for other people. And that's totally fine. I, I, you know, for them, if that's important to them, then good, let that be important to you, let you value that. And I don't think there's not a value in it, but for me, that's just not where I lie and pay my, pay my attention to. So if somebody's like, Oh, I didn't know you were on Twitter. I don't take that. Like, how do you not know I'm on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. Like, yes, I'm definitely like, look at the number of followers I have. Like that's never crossing my mind. Right. And so I, I, I'm fascinated by you saying that because I do think that that's something that sometimes we think somebody is is really big or an influencer just because of the social media presence that they have. And yes, in some ways they might be with certain people, you know, and, and again, it's a level of impact. So I do care about impact and staying connected with people. But while you were talking, I Googled the number of public schools in the United States, just public, just United States. There are 98,577. So we're close to 100,000 schools in 2020 to 2021, just public. So if we think about the number of consultants and going out and trying to even hit schools and feel like, well, one person already went to that school. Yeah, but they probably have a different topic. And even if it was the same topic, you're coming, you're coming in with a new lens, a different additional way to complement. There's no way humanly possible that you could hit all those schools on your own. And again, that's not even private schools. That's just public. So I, I would definitely say, get that out of your head and thinking, but there's so many out there. There's no room for me. There's always room for you. Right. And, and part of it is, and I know this is something that you help people do with in the Prime to Shine program. And it's something that we help our authors do as well, is to craft a, a branding, a packaging, a way of presenting yourself so that you do stand out in a crowded space. And now some people have this negative association with branding. Um, but the truth of the matter is branding is just how people perceive you, how you're how you're perceived in the world. And you are perceived in the world. So it, are you going to control how that that perception or, or are you going to allow the world to control that perception, right? And so branding is just you taking some control over how the world perceives you. And it is a way of in, increasing your impact. And so things like marketing, for example, again, some people think that marketing is like a dirty term. Well, no, if you have something of value and other people need it, what you do to help to so that you can serve those people who can benefit from what you have is a certain that that is a positive thing. And so marketing, if you have something of value, then marketing is a positive thing. And so it, thinking about what you do and what I do, um, I'll, I'll draw a similarity here. And that so I'm the teach like a pirate guy, and you are ignite your shine. Well, so if you think about it, uh, like I am, I, I'm a student engagement speaker. Now I have other parts of my message about passion and creativity and all that, but I'm, you know, I talk a lot about student engagement. 
And your message has lots of different things, the brain power strategies and all that, but then also kind of some uh, SEL components, social emotional learning called the uh, human focused culture, all these different things, right? Well, so if someone is looking to book a student engagement speaker, there is enormous competition. There are so many people who are speaking about student engagement, right? But what if they want to book Teach Like a Pirate? There is one person in the entire world that they can come to, and that's me, right? And so I am not a student engagement speaker. I I do the Teach Like a Pirate program, and I'm the only place that you can go to. And so I have eliminated competition through branding, and I have eliminated um, you know, and it has to do with like your pricing structure and fees too. Like what, what is the price competition for teach like a pirate? Well, I'm not in competition with other people in price for teach like a pirate. If you want to teach like a pirate, you come to me. And the same thing is true of the night your shine. You're not an SEL speaker. You do the night your shine program. And who do you have to go to, to get a nicer shine? You go to the Levana Roth, right? And so helping consultants and speakers and authors understand that they don't want to be just a part of this big, gigantic, generic category, another person in this big, generic category, but to distinguish themselves in a way which is significant, is important. And um, I love this quote from Jerry Garcia, uh, who was in the the founder of the Grateful, Grateful Dead, lead singer of the Grateful Dead. And this is what he said. It's not enough to be the best at what you do. You must be perceived as the only one who does what you do. And that's really kind of the secret behind dealing with that. That's why it's not that important that there's thousands of people out doing this stuff. If you can brand yourself and find a way to distinguish yourself in a crowd. <laughs> oh, Dave, Ooh, what a thing to unpack, right? Uh, yes. I, it goes back to creating a space for you. I, I also think from the point that if somebody says, Oh, we need a keynote speaker, who's going to do this topic. And if they can't say more specifically a topic, you just did, you got thrown into a bucket of 20 different people, 50 different people versus being able to say, we want somebody who comes in, can talk about what it's like to be a pirate. How do you teach that way? How do you engage students? How do you like, if they, if that language has not been said to them, then you do fall into a bucket of everything else. So for us, you know, a shine obviously is an acronym just like yours is. But when we think about shine, the part of this is that it's a proprietary framework that we use in order to help you create the culture, the engaging strategies that fall under all of that whole bucket. So we are setting ourselves apart, yes, with shine and having trademarked Ignite Your Shine, but then also from the point of it's a specific framework that we are using that nobody else can use, nobody else would use. Like it it would be, it's intellectual property, right? So it's protected right there from that. But one of the things that made me laugh is when you're talking about the Jerry Garcia quote, which is a great quote, was I once heard the story and I hope it's true. But either way, if it's not, it's intriguing that Muhammad Ali was once asked, you say you're the greatest fighter in the world. How how are you the greatest fighter? And he said, because I said I was. So he is known as the greatest fighter of the world at the time, you know, because he's the one that said that. So he branded himself as the greatest fighter. And now to this day, people say he's the greatest fighter. 
So I think the importance behind branding is identifying how do you want people to talk about you? You just said a few minutes ago, Dave, about controlling your branding, controlling what is said. Well, that's how you do it is by you give people the language. So the beauty of this is that if you have someone you have worked with and someone you have not worked with, let's say two different school districts, and someone talks to the school district you've been with and like, so tell me about what Dave does. Tell me what Lavana does. I heard you had them as a speaker. Oh my goodness. Yes. That person should be able to tell succinctly what it is that you do and carry that branding over so that they're like, that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we they do. And so now that that continues. And again, you're controlling the, the way that the perception is and also how the branding is being rolled out. So people understand what you do more clearly. Yeah, 100%. And it's just, uh, I think working with educators, which we both do, and helping them with their businesses is uh, one of the things that you have to overcome is that teachers don't want to feel like they're being salesy. Like they feel very icky about sales and about marketing and about kind of like tooting their own horn a little bit, right? And so that's, you know, that's one of the things that I have to address with authors too. Is like, why? Well, I just like, I don't know about like tweeting my book all the time. Like I just feel so salesy. I'm like, oh, hold on a second. Don't focus on selling your book. Focus on spreading your message, right? And so if you focus on spreading your message, that's what you were doing before you had a book too, is that you had this message and you wanted to share it with the world. That's why you wrote the book. Don't let that change when you have a book. Don't let that change when you're trying to book speaking and you're trying to book consulting. Worry about spreading your message. Worry about connecting with people. Worry about worry about building community. Worry about becoming an authentic member of that community, right? And then there's this great spirit of reciprocity in the universe. And I've said this to people many times, that, that when you are a sharer, when you are a prolific sharer, a connector, an authentic member of communities, then the universe turns around and supports you. And so that's like a big piece of this is get over that sales piece of it. Don't worry about your book sales. Worry about, am I having an impact in the world and am I spreading my message? And then watch what happens to your sales when you when you turn your focus that way. That's brilliant because it is, it's all about reframing. We can choose to look at it as the selling and marketing, or we can choose to look at it as I'm providing a service. I'm providing a message that will help and support people to save them time, to help them do better. So the moment we begin to shift and it's, it's all societal, you know, we've been, if you look at movies, they almost always make the person selling be the bad person. If you look at movies, the, the rich person is the villain in the movie. And I don't mean just monetarily, but I think when we talk sales and marketing monetarily, it, that's mon- money is what comes into the picture for us. And we have been brainwashed that all of that is bad. And you, you think of, when we think of selling it, nobody wants to be the oily sales carsman. You know, and this is what we, we've heard for years and years. And so now in our head is, I don't want to be oily. I don't want to be like the car salesman. I don't want to, well, you know what? We sell all the time. The moment a friend comes to you and says, how can I solve this? And you begin to give your two cents, your input, your advice, what they might want to consider. You are selling to them. You're selling them a service, a value of what it is. This time you're just honoring who you are, the time you've put in, the years, the experience, the knowledge, the degrees, all of that is now being put into, let's say in, in your case, for Dave with publishing the books. So people are putting that into a book that is now, you just can't give a book away for free. It wouldn't make sense. 
you know, yes, some, right? The great business card and a great at times to just give someone someone something, but that is not going to be a successful business. What's what I'm looking for? Like a not framework, but a business model. There we go. That's not going to work. So it's just, it is literally a mindset shift. And I think as educators, we're so used to, you give everything away for free. You do everything for free. You do it for the students. Yes and no. Yeah. And so I think this, I see the same thing with uh, when people are trying to decide what they're going to charge for their speaking, for example. And when people come to me for advice on this, I know this is part of the Prime to Shine program too, is helping people figure out what their fees will be, which is super confusing. Um, Almost everyone charges too little for what they do. Their first, their initial thing that they think they should be charging is is too little. And because they get caught up in this hourly thing, well, but that's like this much per hour. Like, oh, hold on a second. We're not charging per hour. We're charging for the value that we're creating for our audience. And we're charging for the, how the changes, the impact that we're going to have on a long lasting basis for this school system or for these attendees of this conference. And also it's not the, the amount of time that you're standing on stage is not the amount of time that it took you. Right. And they don't understand, wait, this person got onto a plane, traveled the entire day before, bought that plane ticket, had to rent a car, uh, was, uh, got a hotel room, and maybe can't get a flight out that same day as the conference and needs to stay over to the next night. And so this is like a three-day trip for this person to come stand on the stage for 90 minutes. And by the way, that 90 minutes was crafted, as you mentioned, because of a lifetime of experience. And for, for me, like, you know, 17 years of classroom experience and all these things, I am curating and putting and packaging and putting into a 90 minute presentation what i think are, are, is the most powerful takeaways from my teaching career right and so the idea that i'm going to be charging by the hour you know that just it, that doesn't make sense and that's another hurdle that we um probably both have to work with with people when we're dealing with when we're talking to them about their fees yes i i would agree with you i always it's they almost need to double, if not triple, and sometimes more what they believe because they are trying to do the hourly. Well, this is how much I made as a teacher. But like you said, you're not paid for the time on the stage only. You're paid for everything before and after and the years of experience and honing it in, not just getting up there and blabbering, but honing your craft so that you deliver a powerful, concise message that is received well and understood and can then be carried out into what they do on their day-to-day basis. So I agree wholeheartedly with that. And, uh, you know, and one thing that have, we haven't even mentioned yet is time away from family. Yes. The amount of time that you give up to be with family is priceless. And that definitely has to be taken into consideration. Yeah, for sure. And it's not even sustainable like for, for what some people want to charge for their service. It's not even sustainable. Like they're not going to make, they're going to not have the impact in the world that they could have had because they did not price themselves at a level that was sustainable to, to be able to, to do it. Right. And so again, that goes back to this whole thing about whether money is evil or good or not. It's money is neither <laughs> money is just a tool. It's something that we use. And you have to, if you want to have a certain amount of impact in the world as a speaker, you have to be able to charge at a rate where you can continue to do that, right? And so it's um, a lot of these, a lot of the work that we both do with people coming up into this space does have to do with the mindset. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'll plant the little seed too. And we do talk about a lot of this in the course, but 
you know, if, if as a consultant, you go out and one day you do make the money and whatever money that fee that you've established is, and then you don't work the next day and maybe not even the next day, you're now taking that one day and dividing it into thirds. So yeah. you don't work typically every day until you get to the level of where in where you could, because people know they understand the value they want to bring you in. But with that said, Dave, I'm also going to say for anyone out there who does not want to speak every day or does not want to be at that level, then don't. One of the things that I hear from people all the time is that, yeah, but then I, I you know, I haven't really been successful or I haven't done it, but I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Do you even want to do that? You know, like if some people don't want their calendar packed, some people don't want to be traveling all over the world. I have a friend who she is booked with 10 schools every year, solidly throughout the year, almost to the capacity of what she can do. And she does not go more than 60 miles from her house because she designed her business to be that way. And so I think, you know, you get the choice. This is your business Design it how you want to design it. And don't think that what somebody else is doing is necessarily what you want to do. And if you decide to not do that, doesn't mean you're not successful. But again, I'm going to go back and reiterate as educators, it is so important to value who you are. And the last seat I'll say too, is that your fee also can represent credibility. So keep that in mind, how people perceive you. Yeah. And I think that another thing, if you are a teacher or an administrator and you're listening to this and you want to dive into the consulting, the speaking market, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You do not have to leave your position. You, the, I know lots of people who are full-time classroom teachers and who consult and speak on the side. Same thing with administrators, principals. And it is, it is absolutely sustainable to be able to do that. At some point, maybe you'll reach a point where you need to make a decision and your decision might be, I want to stay in the classroom. I want to stay in the principalship or whatever it might be. But I know lots of people, lots of our authors who are still doing exactly what they were doing before they wrote their book. Um, you can have you can have it all. You can do both, and um, it, it's not it's never it never has to be all or nothing. Preach! <laughs> I know yeah. they couldn't see me, but when you said that, you know, we have that. We talk about the two: half time, part time, full time, whatever you want this to look like. I was literally clapping when Dave was saying that, so I know you all couldn't see that. <laughs> Yeah. So we're not trying to convince everyone to jump out of the classroom or to to leave their school system. Some people that is absolutely, you are doing such powerful and amazing work. And it would be a shame to see you leave your classroom. It'd be a shame to see you leave the principalship. Um, You can do that and spread a powerful message out to the world in various ways. And so, um, yeah, we're we're not trying to convince you to jump. Definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. Hey, so uh, Lavana, before we wrap up here, I'm, I'm curious uh, you travel, I travel. I asked this to Adam Welcome when I had him on. Um, uh, what Do you have a, a secret travel tip or any sort of special travel tip that you could share with our audience? Oh, you learn so many. You learn so many. Uh, yes, I'm actually, so if everyone remembers when Marie Kondo had like her show and she may still have a show, I don't know, but you know, you throw things out that don't bring you joy, but she also shows you how to fold things. And so I now have it in my, instead of going vertical inside of my suitcase, everything goes horizontal. And so I can see the exact outfit that I want. I can easily bundle it together. So it's side by side, but if I want to wear something like, let's say a pair of pants twice, I can see exactly where they are. I don't have to unpack anything. It doesn't become a mess. 
And that might be a more simple, a simple example, but that's one of the ones that to me, I get more in there. It's so neat and it's easy to see whatever I want without unpacking everything, especially when I'm like a few weeks ago, three states, you know, in one week, it's, (laughs) you don't want to take everything out and you don't want to be a mess and have to keep redoing it. So there's my hot tip. Okay. I appreciate that. I, I love to watch how people travel. Yeah, people travel so different there. You see one person's going for two days and they have like four suitcases with them or whatever. And another person says, I'm going for a week and they have like a, a bag over their shoulder. <laughs> You're, yes. Are you, are you on the light end or the heavy end of traveling? I am. I am definitely on the light end. I, I also pack monochromatic. So it's in other words, if it's going to be black pants, then everything has to go with black. Black, I have my black shoes. So I'm not trying to be, bring a pair of cream shoes and black shoes and brown shoes. And it's monochromatic. And I am I can go eight to 10 days in a carry-on. Like that, and that is always my goal. Oh my goodness. So you're 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 way ahead of me on this one. But I will tell you, I do have uh one incredible benefit over most consultants and speakers. And that is that uh like let's say I'm gonna do five, I'm gonna be out and I'm gonna do five presentations. Well, my packing is pretty easy. Five royal blue teach like a pirate shirts. I got my my black pants, like my run, my royal blue running shoes, and I know like exactly what I'm packing for many days. I have because I wear this same thing every single. And I always laugh at like I'll see another speaker get on the plane with me, and they've got a garment bag with their suit, which they had to have like pressed and ironed there, and like like have there be ironing a dress shirt in their hotel room, and all this kind of stuff. And I just have my t-shirt. I throw a bandana on my head. And I'm in running shoes. And at the end of the presentation, I pull my bandana off and I just look like another person walking to the airport in a t-shirt. And so I I have my brand actually is super conducive to very, very easy travel. And I absolutely love that about it. So when we're done here, Dave, I'm going to be figuring out how to construct something similar so that I can go even lighter. Yeah, there (laughs) you go. I have seen you. I have witnessed this. And yes, it's true. Yeah. Eight to 10 days in a, in a carry on, man, I've got some work to do if I'm going to live up to that level on it. I don't know. Well, I have to do a little caveat. That is only if it's spring and summer, if it's winter, there's no way I okay. can't do it in a way because the bulkiness of sweaters and coats and all the things. Okay. Hey, Lavana, it has been super amazing to have you on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, and I, one of the things I love about the podcast is in some ways, it just means I took a chance to sit and chat with good friends and that's how I look at this. Um, Lavana, if people want to get in touch with you, whether it be in social media or if they want to find out more about Ignite Your Shine or Prime to Shine, um, where, where are the best places to go? Well, thank you, Dave, because I appreciate any time I get with you as well, which is how I started this uh, in the beginning of our time together. But yes, so you can go to igniteyourshine.com. And that is our website for that, primetoshine.com. If you want to know more about consulting and there's even a free webinar on there that you can watch and get some tips right away. And then on social media, it is at Lavana Roth. I will spell that because I know my name is unique, but L-A capital V as in Victor, O-N-N-A, and then capital R-O-T-H. So Lavana Roth. And then if you want to follow for Ignite Your Shine, it is at Ignite Your Shine on all social media platforms, except Instagram, long story, but it is at Ignite Your Shine now. Awesome. Yeah, I'm familiar with that, where those sometimes those things get taken from us before we get there, but that's okay. And for someone who's not even using it, never has done one post, has no followers. <laughs> I feel the same way about at Dave Burgess. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Lavana, thanks again for joining. I can't wait to run into you again. And hopefully it is in beautiful weather in Tampa as opposed to rainy where I am right now. 
Same, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to The Dave Burgess Show. Let's connect. I am at Burgess Dave on Twitter. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave. On Instagram, I am DBC underscore INC, and I blog at DaveBurgess.com. Please share your thoughts and comments on social media using the hashtag Dave Burgess Show. It would mean the world to me if you share the show with friends and colleagues, and I would be honored if you left a positive review on whatever platform you listen on. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you have a question, a topic, or a guest recommendation for the show, just email me at dave at daveburgess.com, put podcast question in the subject line, and I absolutely cannot wait to join you on the next episode.